Uh, but today, we're going to talk about practical wisdom. Practical. Even the church, we don't have to be spiritual all the time because you know what? We are the Spirit of God trapped in an earthly body. So we don't have to try to be spiritual. We are spiritual. When you get born again, the Spirit of God moves in. See, he moves in. And when he moves in, something wonderful happens. No, so, so it's no longer us trying to be something that we're not because the hardest thing in life is not to be someone that we already are. So if we are spirit men and women of God, which we are, then, then, then you know, it's kind of like driving a car. I told you, it's just when you first start driving, it's 10 and 2, and all the girls get that makeup mirror going and driving down the road. Now it's texting and doing your hair and your fingernails going down the road. But, you know, the longer you serve God, it's, it's kind of like, operating in spirit. Now then you can do about 19 things at one time. But today we're going to talk about practical wisdom. Practical. As Christians. Because we are, we are commanded never to leave the natural. Now that's going, to, that's going to confuse you because on every radio station and TV evangelist, they're trying to get you to buy into this spiritualism and you don't have to buy any of that. We are men and women of God and housed by the Spirit of God, but the problem I think we're lacking sometimes is natural discipline. Because the Bible says in Timothy, 2 Timothy, he said, that you may teach them how they ought to obey in the house of God. So evidently, we've got some disobeying going on in the church house. Or he never would have said that. So, besides all that, forget that. We're going to talk to you this morning about keeping your books balanced. Romans chapter 13, verse 7 and 8, it says this. In the NIV, thank you. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Now, if you don't know what the revenue means, it means you work for somebody, and they owe you a paycheck. And the first of verse 8 says this, let no debt remain outstanding. Now, what's funny about this, and there's nothing really funny to it, but I will tell you that debt can be a form of bondage. Has anybody here been in debt? I mean like debt, debt. I mean like debt that you're not sleeping at night. You seen that commercial, that guy got that big house, that big car, and he's driving that lawnmower, and he's smiling, he goes, please somebody stop me, I'm in debt, or something like that, you know? Now, if, if, you're, if, if you're like Virgil Gaither, you, you know nothing about financial problems. I know that. But if you've ever been in debt, it is a form of mental and physical bondage. Now, some of you may you may be past that. All right, good. But when you're in debt, we know the stats will tell you that people are jumping off buildings and blowing their brains out because of debt. And what's funny about this? What's funny about this when he deals to this young Roman church? And you kind of get the idea that, that a question came maybe a, a few weeks ago about why he says in Romans 14 to do this and do this and do this and do this and, 
because you're dealing with a very immature Gentile church that knows nothing about Abraham, knows nothing about Moses, knows nothing about the law, knows nothing about Joshua, knows nothing about Red Sea. I mean, Paul just walks in, and, and, and you got pantheism everywhere, and Paul is delivering a message to people that has never heard about any of the Old Testament covenants. So what else are you going to tell them? Don't shoot, your, don't shoot your eye out, kid. That's basically what you say to them. So he's dealing with the Roman church on a different level. So don't come to me talking about certain things that he says in Romans, but he says something in Ephesus and Corinth because those people are well-informed because there's Jews running around everywhere. These people are a different group of people. And he's just giving them the basics. See? So the idea that even, even he says, so if you owe taxes, pay taxes. That's funny because taxation went to the Roman government that paid for soldiers' wage, and the same soldiers was the same people that was brutalizing the church. Now, let that run around in your pinball machine for a while. So Paul is saying, pay taxes. And they're saying, well, let me get this right. If I pay taxes, it goes to Caesar, right. And then Caesar pays his soldiers, correct. And his soldiers get three square meals a day. That is correct. And they get to buy new knives and shields and new cat and nine tails. Correct. And it's the same soldiers that I'm paying taxes for that's come and beat my brains up. Correct. Now, does that make sense in any way, shape, or form? No. But Paul said, you don't have to make sense. Now, one of the problems with this, because if you didn't pay taxes, the Roman government would come get you. Same way with Malchus. When Peter cut Malchus' ear off, that little action was worth death penalty. So all Malchus had to do is take it back to the, the authority and say, look here, this ear, it doesn't go here, it goes here. And they would have killed Simon Peter immediately. And what Jesus put his ear back on because he told Peter, he said, what you did was a dumb thing, but I have plans for you, so here, give me that ear, and he stuck it back on there. And how can you convict someone there's no evidence that there's been a, a separation of the ear? So a lot of things that Paul is saying is this, I want you to live long. How many here besides me love to pay taxes? <sighs> it's everywhere. We pay a lot of taxes. We, we pay our fair share of insurance and utility bills. And, but you listen, the thing about it is, Paul, is that, but he said this. He said, let's go back to the last verse. Hey, can we please, I, I want to start there. Let no debt remain outstanding. An antidote that I read about, there was a, there was a nobleman in, in the first century church going into the second century. And historians say that this nobleman was so regarded by Caesar and his colleagues, they had no idea. He lived in a very prominent house. He lived in a very prominent part of town. And, and as far as the accuracy that he had everything that anybody would want, he sat on the council with Rome. Uh, he sat with many dignitaries there. He made decisions for Rome. But there was one problem. Brown, the commentator says, which is a historian said, he was in debt. And he was in so much debt that he hid it so well that no one ever knew it until he died. And when he died, every creditor, now the reason why they didn't mess with him is because that he was a dignitary in Rome and he sat on the council of Rome. So they didn't mess with him, but when he died, we had to have an estate sale of this house he lived in. This true story. 
And when they found out how much debt he was in, they sold his estate, and Caesar Augusta himself only wanted one thing out of his house, his pillow. And Brown the historian said, because Caesar said, quote, if that man can sleep on that pillow with so much debt, there must be some magic in the pillow. <laughs> and he bought the pillow. That's all he wanted. I'm going to look at you this morning, and I'm going to ask the same question. I don't know how some of you sleep at night because you've got debt. And so the first thing you say, well, my Jesus paid the debt. Well, I know that. I mean, any monkey from Frank Buck Zoo knows that. But you're still in debt. And I don't know how some of you sleep at night. You must have that magical pillow. So the New King James says it like this. Render therefore to all their due. Render, therefore, to all their due. Now, that's pretty important. And, 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 and so this is probably the one-hit wonder of this sermon as far as practical information. But the idea here is basically pay your debts. Pay your debts. We have a moral responsibility to pay taxes, pay our debt, whether you like it or not. And you don't have the liberty to say, well, I don't like who's in the president, so I'm not going to pay my taxes. Listen, for you people who think you own something, just quit paying your taxes five years. You'll figure out you don't own anything. There'll be three small men with briefcases and dark sunglasses will come knocking on your door. Pay your debt. You have a responsibility to make sure this church is taken care of. That's your responsibility. It is. That's your responsibility. We have a moral responsibility to pay our debts. As a matter of fact, that here as far as this church, that we are going to pay our debt. We have never, ever, in this 34 years that we've been a church, we've never owned anybody any money that was not paid. Period. Nobody, when we began, nobody wanted to loan me money. I understand that. My wife looks a little shady. I understand that. <laughs> I love you, honey. You know I do. But I will tell you, in 34 years, whether it be lawnmowers or whether it be buildings or whatever it may be, we don't own anything on anything. And so some of you that, you know, you, you said, well, man, you must be rolling the dough. Absolutely not. Contraire. But we've taken what you've given us and we've used it wisely. And so for the last, I don't know, 10 years, we have paid this thing off. Somebody said, well, why don't you break it? Well, why don't you pay for it? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Has anybody ever been part of a church that sat on a church board that was in debt up to their ears? It's not much fun. It's hard to preach victory when you're in debt. I am at the right church. Where am I? Yeah, I'm at the right church. I mean, it's, it's just hard to talk about the joy of the Lord when, when your church is drowning in debt. What fun is that? And so now what happens is 
that now the pastor has the obligation to beat you down because and make you feel guilty because you're not giving enough. The Bible says as man purpose in his heart gives. Well, sure, you're going to have to help in this thing, and you have, and you've, and you've been faithful. So thank you. This is not a tithing message, so you can go ahead and exhale. <laughs> Somebody says, oh, thank God, now I'm laughing. We have only taken up three offerings in 34 years, and they were for all three cancer patients. I'm not going to beat you over the head about giving. If it's not in your heart to give, you're not going to give. But I will question the capacity of God in your heart. Because that's why he says if a man freely receives, then he'll freely give it out. But besides that, nobody cares. So pay your debt. So we have a moral responsibility here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. We don't owe nobody nothing. We buy certain things on credit. We, we, we make payments, and we got it all taken care of. I told you a long time ago, because this sermon won't take long, really. When we first started church in the mall, didn't have it. I think we had 10 people. Melissa was there, and I, we had 10 or 12. That was it. That was it. And, 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 and that, that whole where we used to have church, it wasn't much bigger than this. This. Really? It's just a little wad or something. It wasn't much. We had rent, so we had a rented building. We had, we, had, we had rented everything, and we had to go rent. We, we rented 25 chairs. Had to rent them. 25 chairs. I'm glad to tell you that, that I've given away over 500 chairs to other churches. Glad I could do it. And, and so one day we decided, so I said, hey, let's buy some pews. I said, we don't have any money. Well, that never stopped me from doing anything. So we bought seven or eight. They were back then, I think they were these size right here. I don't know that. We had eight. And they were about $300 each. Had them in the mall. And we started growing a little bit and started growing a little bit and started growing and blah, blah, blah. We was in church about six months. So we filled up those pews. Now we had about 40 or 50 in church, maybe. I don't know, 40. I don't know. I didn't have my glasses on. So when you have double vision, if you have 25, you really have 50. So I really thought we were really doing good. That name is a, is, is a tremendous legacy that we do not want to live. So I said all this to say this. We, we, we make sure that every bill is paid. Also, there's certain things we have a moral obligation to make sure that we pay our debt. Because here's the reason why. If the community sees that they can trust us with the visible, maybe, just maybe, they'll trust us with the invisible. Because I'm going to say it like it is. There are bigger churches than we have, of course. But I will tell you that I know some things that you probably don't know. I'm in the business to know. And I say a lot of things, but I'll never say anything like this publicly. But I will tell you, there's nothing that is more discrediting to the kingdom of God when you have bigger churches than this won't pay their bills. And it's going on in good old Admore, Oklahoma. So if, if, if these people that are running up bills and running things and won't pay their bills, whether it be office furniture or whatever it may be, carpet on the floors, whatever it may be, but I will tell you, do you really think that they're going to trust us with the invisible kingdom of heaven if they can't trust us with paying bills? No. One of the greatest things that we can do, whether they come through the doors or not, 
is pay our bills. Be responsible. And if we say that we're going to do something, then let's do it. And somebody somewhere that may not go to church, but they're in the county department of somewhere that says, you know what? I don't know anything about the kingdom of heaven, but I will tell you one thing. Those people pay their bills. And I trust them. Speaks volumes. Don't ever witness to somebody at the grocery store people or the lawnmower people if you won't pay your bills. Don't witness them about loving Jesus because they done turned you out. It's called the speed of trust. So, so Danny, stand up if you would. Danny, no, you don't have to. Da- Danny owns a lawn, and, he, and, and Danny's too old to mow. You know that, don't you? I mean, his, but he's got money. So, but he, his lawn's that high. Well, Don Dixon's in the lawnmower business. So Don said, I know what I'll do. I'll mow your lawn. I'll charge you double, but I'll mow your lawn. But Don said, there's only one problem. I don't have a lawnmower. So John Jones owns the lawnmower dealership. Not only does he own the lawn dealership, but Scott Fryer owns the John Deere Manufacturing Company. So there's four players involved. Number one, we got a guy here that won't mow his lawn. Number two, we got a guy here that really wants to mow his lawn, but he don't have a lawnmower. And we have a guy here that owns a lawnmower business that he would like to sell him, but, but he can't sell it to him with that money. And we have a guy over here that absolutely needs to sell lawnmowers. So this is what happens. Danny said, you mow my lawn and I'll pay you. Don said, I want to buy a lawnmower from you so when he pays me, he'll pay you. And Scott said, I'll ship a lawnmower to you, the dealership, and when you get his money and you pay that guy, you'll pay that guy and everybody's good. I'm at the right church. I'm like, yeah. You talk about practical wisdom. We could be here for like years until the day Mr. Totwad over there. I mean, Don mows it. Looked like a herd of goats in there. I mean, it's just perfect. Looked like a golf course. And Danny said, well, I just, I, I just don't think I want to pay you anymore. Hmm? Better work. Don't worry about Don. Over here, he's got the Malachi brothers, Gino. And when he, when he refuses to pay him, then he cannot pay him, and he cannot pay him. And everything shuts down. So now then, now then, he, his, his lawn's this high. And the city put a marker on and said, we're, we're going we're gonna to take your wife and kids if you don't mow your lawn. So, which is not a bad gig, but we like her. So, so, so he, he calls Don up and he says, I need you to mow my lawn. No can do. No can do without the El Casho in hand. The speed of trust means that this whole world operates off a credit system. If you will do what you're supposed to do, he will do what he's supposed to do. You will do what you're supposed to do. You will do what you're supposed to do. And unfortunately, in the church community, if we, as men and women of God, if we will do what we are supposed to do, things work great. But when not, things start shutting down. So what happens is, is that in the community, when we will do 
when we will do what we're supposed to do, it works great. If we say that we're going to be here, let's be here. If we say we're going to teach a class, let's teach it. If we'll say we're going to watch the front door and guard the parking lot, let's do it. But nothing with a capital N, and my wife will tell you, nothing wants me to pull what little bit of hair I have out left. If somebody said, I want to do something, but I never see them again to do it. And then I start throwing things and then just, it's not good. This whole thing is about being a good witness. And just because they don't want to hear your conversation about Bible verses, they just want to know when you're going to pay your bills. So the question at hand is this, what's this? Proverbs 22, verse 7. You all right? Yeah. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. So you have to ask yourself a question of this. So is it wrong for me to borrow money? So the Bible says the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the, to the, to the lender. There are some people going around. Hey, you want to hear something crazy? You know who Mike Murdoch is? He's a nut. He's just a nut. And, and, and he really is. He's a goofball. He comes on 3 a.m. There's a reason for that. So he's doing this big, he's doing this big telethon for, oh, one of them guys out in California. And, and I would never lie to you. Mike Murdoch has been around for a long time. Oh, my goodness. Don't ever buy a car from me. But anyway. This is what he said. They're talking about getting rid of credit card debt. Okay? And he's got this five principles how to get out of credit card debt. And and I asked God to kill me right here if I'm lying to you. The first thing he says is that the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, it's okay to put your credit card up to pay your credit card off to them. There's wanting $120. And if you'll give them $120, or whatever it was, $1,000, whatever it was, they don't mind asking for big money. They would send you a little booklet on how to get out of debt on your credit card, but you, they wanted you to put that payment on a credit card so they could send you a book how not to use your credit card. I know it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> crazy. So what's this? Is it wrong to loan money? Is it wrong to borrow money? Two verses, Proverbs 37, verse 21 says this. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and they give. So when you see that, leave verse. So you see this word in Proverbs say, well, then the Bible says for me not to borrow money. That's not what he's saying. The righteous does lend money. I have given away more money here than you can imagine. I have financed cars. I've, I've financed remainders of houses, tax levies on houses. Had a lot of people through years get mad at me about that. That's, that's none of their business. I'm here to help you. This church is a co-op. It's a co-op. And I'll explain this to you while I'm on this long-winded sermon. If I expect you to pay 10%, which I do, which God does, then what about the church? We're not exempt from that. So I don't send it off to third world and fourth world countries. I pour it right back into the community of faith. 
I'm responsible to you. And I don't need you to show your hands or raise your hands, but some of you, we have bought you cars. We have bought thousands of dollars to get you set up. We have, it doesn't matter. I'm not tuning anybody's horn, but make no mistake about it. If you have a need, you come here and we'll help you. Because that's our responsibility. So the righteous, we lend. Now, if we loan you money, we kind of like to have it back, but you understand. And then the next verse says, Matthew 5, verse 42 says this. Give to him who asks, and from him who wants to borrow from you, you do not turn away. Now, there's certain criteria here we're going to go by. I, I know I'm going over a little bit, but it's okay. This, this won't last long. But there are people that flood this church wanting something. They're wanting something all the time. It's okay. And I've always said it. Here, here's the criteria. Number one, if, if there's a guy in the car and he sends his wife in, I won't help him. I won't help him, period. I'll ask the question in a nice way, who's the cat in the car? Well, that's my husband. How come he's not in here? If he'll walk in and say, I'm going to be honest with you, Reverend, and I kind of like that way we start off a conversation. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an idiot. I haven't been fulfilling my responsibility, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to start making things right. I'll help a little bit. And number two, I'll always ask him, do you smoke cigarettes? And if they smoke cigarettes, I won't help them. I know that's harsh. But keep in mind, I'm working with your money. You should be saying thank you. Because if you can afford cigarettes, you can afford diapers. And somebody said, well, that's cold. Don't tell me about cold. I own a daycare for 27 years. We love kids. So the idea that we have to hold people to a standard. We have, so the idea is that, that, that just because somebody has a need, we have to use discernment to sow into them, of course. We're not here and got a big sign in front and say, hey, come by. We got more money we can spend. Just come. You know, we don't do that. But we have a responsibility. So no, it's not illegal to, to loan money. These verses are not just about physical bookkeeping. They are our instructions. These things are not just about physical bookkeeping. They are instructions on maintaining balance in our lives, spiritually and naturally, enjoying healthy and happy relationships, and living with integrity and honesty with others. So here we go. Paul is pointing out in Romans the idea of, of our debt reduction plan. So if anybody here that has ever been in debt so bad that you had to go get help, it's called a debt reduction plan. We're going to make a plan. Okay? Here's six of them to help you with your debt reduction plan. Number one, if you owe a phone call, make it. Remember I said you're in debt? Some of you have not fulfilled your debt yet. If someone that is in your heart and your mind lately, it may be at God at work. They may need to hear your voice to remind them they are not forgotten. Number two, if you owe an explanation, offer it. 
If someone is wondering and concerning of why you did something in question, maybe it's time that you explain your motive. There's all kinds of things that goes on in this church house. There's all kinds of decisions that's been made in the last 30-something years at this church house that I did not get up there and, and put on a sob story and tell you that somebody mistreated me and sent me a, a nasty letter and stuck their tongue at me while I was preaching. Certain things had to be done, and maybe I just didn't explain to you the motives. But I will tell you, sometimes you deserve an explanation. So maybe you know an explanation. Give it. We're not mind readers. So maybe you said or did something that someone was in question of your motive, then sometimes give it to them. Number three, you own an apology. You should make it. If you've wronged someone, then it's time to seek forgiveness and reconcile. We are commanded to make things right. God always chooses reconciliation over isolation. Number four, if you owe gratitude, you should give it. It's time to express your feelings of thankfulness to those that have made a positive influence in your life. Anybody ever got a card or letter from me with a pink slip in it? It was well-deserved. You know why I do that? Because I owe it to you. I owe you that. Well, you're welcome, but I owe it to you because you have made a positive difference in my life. Number five, if you owe attention infection, you should show it. If you claim someone is important and valuable to you, then it's time you put your words into action. You see what I'm talking about? You're in debt. And he says, pay your debts. Make the phone call. You owe it. Make the apology. You owe it. Show the affection, because you owe it. And last but not least, that if you owe discipline, you should exercise it. If you skirted on your duties and decisions that are questionable in conversation and conduct that may or have already seen Section 3 again affected others, it's time to establish personal perimeters according to the precepts of God's Word. The more depth you can settle, the more balance you'll restore in your life. Section 3 is about the apology. If we owe discipline. So some of you have been to my office and you got the lecture. And some of them, some of you took it and you took it well as men and women of God and you stayed. And some of them, they, they, they folded their hands and they dropped their lip with pout and off they go. But I've never made a phone call to them. And I've never written a card and said, please come back, come on, come on. I was just playing with you. Absolutely not. Thank you for staying. But I will tell you that every one of us as men and women of God, we need to set up perimeters 
We need to be disciplined men and women of God. I'm not telling you we're going to get it right every time. I'm just telling you there's some perimeters that we need to establish because there's our conversation, our conduct may affect someone else's life. And if I've hurt your feelings, sorry about that. I probably didn't mean to, but I'm probably going to. But I'm sorry. But I will tell you my chief goal is to have perimeters of my of, of my spiritual conduct that'll make other people not question the lordship of Christ in my life. So we got to go. So the more debt you can settle, the more balanced your life would be. The more debt you can settle. So if you owe a phone call, make it. If you show, if you, if you owe affection to someone, show it. If someone has done something in your life to help you, my goodness, let them know about it. You owe that debt. And if you've done something stupid while you're here in the church that's affected other people, have the decency to go to them and look them in the eye and say, listen, I made a mistake. I want you to forgive me and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do better. Thank you for that rousing applause, dude. But there's one debt we can never settle. Romans 13, 8 says this. Owe nothing to anyone except. For your obligation to love one another. There's one debt that we are told to never settle is the obligation and the duty that we have to love one another. We are commanded to love one another. Now, how would you like to be on a fly on the wall when me and my wife is going down the road and I'm giving her a life lecture? That ought to be fun. But don't confuse this love when Jesus talks about in John 13, 14, and 15 to love one another, he is among his 11. Now, I need you to wake up and listen to me. It's called the in-house epistles. John 13, John 14, John 15. They're called in-house epistles. No more miracles, no more crowds. It's just his disciples in a small sitting area. And when he says, love one another, in these areas, he's speaking about his 11. He said, you love one another the way I've loved you. So I need you to get off this concept that, that I need you to understand there are really few different words for love, but the first word love, that how we're supposed to treat humanity is like a turtle in the road. Now we can choose to run over him or we can choose to straddle him. And when we're talking about loving the world, it's impossible for me to love the world the way I love Albert as a body of believers. Now, you may be way beyond me and say, well, I love them. I love them when they're spitting tobacco in my face. Well, God, congratulations. You are the Messiah. Jesus Christ just come back. When somebody cusses you out at work, 
It's not the same as Danny or Sherry Dvorak or Donna Donna Dixon. It's two different loves. You understand? This other word, love, means a moral respect. So we should have moral respect for those that are not a part of the body of Christ. But I will tell you, he is speaking to his 11. He said, I want you to love one another because less than, in less than 54 days, the, the world as you know it will come upon your head. In just a few days, Titus will walk into Rome and he'll take this temple apart. And bloodshed will run into the gutters. Love one another. John 15 said, Father, I do not pray for the world, but I do pray for the ones you've sent me. And none has been lost outside the son of perdition that scripture may be fulfilled. I'm telling you right now, I appreciate the loss and we have a responsibility as Brother Dan talked about the gospel. But in Galatians 6 says, do good unto all men, especially the household of faith. So I owe you a lot in this church. And I'm not going to leave this life owing you anything. I'm going to make the call. I'm going to make the apology. I'm going to give back that $7, Danny. I loaned you one time or you loaned me. I'm going to make sure that I live a balanced debt reductive life. Now, so here's your assignment this week. You may go to hell if you don't do this. Don't send me one. Don't send me or my wife one. Send somebody a card in the mail this week that's made a difference in your life. Don't send me one. I won't open it if you do. <laughs> Father, we want to live our life debt-free. Your word commands us, owe no man anything except the obligation to love one another. I'm so thankful for the body of Christ in this church. I'm so thankful for every man and woman and boy and girl that, that, that not, has not only made Christ the Lord of their life, but, but they have assembled themselves here in this place And there's just so many things that, that is owed to them. And I want to live my life debt-free. Not just money. If I owe an apology, I'm going to make it. If I owe a phone call to someone that has helped me along the way, I'm going to make it. If I owe love and affection to someone that is really trying to be a friend and then I'm going to give it. Anything that we owe to one another, we've been commanded to pay it back. So Father, thank you for your goodness. When it comes to your salvation, we've been only required to do one thing is to say thank you and just live Jesus out every day. But when it comes to the body of Christ, we have racked up a debt. But we're going to begin to pay it back.
So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'll tell you that your mind is racing like a, a NASCAR driver. Someone has helped you. Someone has become a friend to you. Someone has invested in you. Someone in the Christian community is absolutely gone above and beyond to make sure that your Christian walk was better. You owe them a phone call. You owe them. You'll feel better. Just pay your bills. And maybe, maybe you got sideways with somebody. I know you think that's not possible, but maybe you got sideways with somebody. You haven't spoken to somebody in a while. You owe them an apology. Don't carry around that debt. There is no magic pillow. Make it. You'll feel better. Let's stand this morning, would you please? Let me know that God is good all the time. Father, there's none like you. Teach us to love one another as you loved us. We are your disciples that have gathered in this place. I can't control the world. I can't control what's going on. I can't control anything. But I can control my actions in this church house. For the love and the commitment that I'm responsible for, I need to pay my, I need to pay my bills. We'll be better for it in Christ's name. Communion servers, will you please come? 2,000 years ago that Jesus sat down with his 11 in this in-house epistle. Just the last few hours of his divine life. And what I kind of like about this, because I read between the lines, he said, for 1,500 years, you have been going through the motions of certain things, but I owe you an explanation. It's more than just bread. It's more than just manna that came from down from heaven for those in the wilderness. But he said, I am the bread of life that comes down from the heavens that my Father sends. And if any man eat of me, he shall never hunger again. And he took the cup and he said, I owe you an explanation. It's more than just wine. It's more than just grape juice. This will be my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus Christ himself paid a debt that we could not pay. But now then we have the opportunity to pay debts one to another to live a life in balance. Father, bless this cup, bless this bread. And let it find life and health and happiness for those that take it in Christ's name.